Turn me up. Turn me up, turn me on, whatever you got to do. Let's go. I don't know if anybody else is outside or not, but we're going to get started. Hang on just a minute. For those of you that don't know, I'm ambidextrous. I'm, I'm clumsy with both hands. So if that means anything to you, here we go. Uh, okay. We have a, we still have a need all the time for help with the youth and the kids. And Kim doesn't ask for this all the time, but I will because uh, they are going up and above for the youth and the kids every week. So keep that in mind. June 17th, 8.30 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall, men's breakfast, free food. Who doesn't want free food? I mean, just come and eat and go home. <laughs> but to come and eat anyhow. July 1st at 8.30 in the Fellowship Hall, we have our Bible study. June 30th, no, June 20th. I can't even read this without my glasses. June 20th at 6 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall, Robin. Okay, Speakers, uh, say again. What? I just said six. Hey, I get up at four. So 6 a.m., 6 p.m., same difference to me, okay? All right. The speakers are Lori Franks and Terry Bean. Okay, all right, okay. Uh, June 24th at 12. Now, this is not at night. 12 noon. Prime timers, uh, potluck, games, and fellowship in the fellowship hall. Okay, uh, a couple of announcements I want to make. Um, we are getting along on the parsonage. We have done a lot of work out there. I'm not going to tell you what it all is. It's going to be a surprise, so come out and see it. And while you're there, bring your hammer. So just just a thought for you, okay? Um, we are getting the work done. We're getting the fence up. We're getting the decks put up. I believe Robin has made arrangements next week to get to countertops. Okay. Uh, the refrigerator, the new refrigerator is out there. Uh, we just need to hook it up to the water so we'll have an ice maker. Um, we need some painting done on the soffit and fascia which is all the trim around there but um, we still have a little bit of time but time is getting away from us y'all uh, our new preacher will be here on the ninth and so we need to have it all ready i mean he'll be here to preach on the ninth he's gonna actually be here i think on the seventh so we need to have it all ready for them to move into and we're working on it as hard as we can um that's all of those announcements i had but I got one thing for you. I told you last week I was going to show you something that you've never seen before. Now, this, this is just in fun, okay? I hope you're not expecting life-changing experience here. <laughs> this is fun. My wife said it's corny. She's, I'm surprised she's even sitting in here. She's done, but anyhow, I'm going to, I'm going to show you, okay? Just, just give me just a second. You guys all know that I wear burnt orange t-shirts all the time. I had to quit that because I couldn't color coordinate that with anything I had, so I had to quit that. And so everything else I have is these shirts that snap down the front. I admit, two-thirds hillbilly, 
And then the other third, and I hadn't decided what it is yet, but anyhow. So here, here goes. This is something that, that's just in fun, okay? Yeah. Something you hadn't seen before. Okay, here it is. <laughs> you guys have not seen this before, I'm pretty sure. Maybe 15 people in the world out of 5 billion have seen this. And this, this came up in a conversation the other day. We were talking about dress up. And Julie said, do you even have a tie? So, for Julie, I have a tie. I have a tie. Okay. I have some other stuff that I could show you that you've never seen before, but my wife absolutely said I cannot do that. <laughs> so I will, just, I will just make mention of that and let it go. And so, okay, all the guys that's going to take the offering. Y'all come on. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Wait, got one more announcement, sorry. Rebecca's going to come up and make an announcement. Uh, I need to make another announcement too. I forgot. Ben, this is all too much for me. Uh, next Sunday is Brother Gary's last Sunday. Now, I'm like everybody else here. We hate to see him go, but we're glad to see us get a preacher. <laughs> so that's that's mixed message right there. But next Sunday morning, so you'll know and you can prepare. And I didn't ask him about this, and I don't have to because I'm not running for anything either. <laughs> we are going to take a love offering for him next Sunday morning. If you want to bring a card, you can put cards out on the desk. If you want to give him cash, you can do that. Or if you want to put it in love offering as we pass the plate next Sunday morning, you can do that. He will get every penny of it. And I just want to say right now up front, we've appreciated everything that he's done for us, all the messages and all the help he's given us through all these months to help the board and everything else. So keep that in mind. Keep that in mind for next Sunday morning, love offering for Brother Geary, okay? And Rebecca has an announcement she would like to make right now. As I was dreaming the other night and praying, and I woke up with this on my mind, so I called my sister Kate, and she said, yeah, I like the idea, and this was it. We had a table out there already, and this is what God showed me. The pastor's coming. We don't know the wife's home decor, what colors of anything, but some things that she's going to need and they're going to need in that first week of moving and getting in here and get the kids settled. I came up with a theme, pack the pantry for the pastor. These are the things that I think would be appropriate. Anything, paper, pa paper plates, plastic forks, cups, Clark's wipes, toilet papers, garbage bags, gallon bags, you know, the zip bags, quart size, pint size, whatever, anything of that sort, anything else you can think of. I think, and we'll have a table start set up starting next Sunday out there. Just bring it and we'll fill it up. And then when they get here, they can move and unpack it when they unpack all their other stuff. But they're going to need stuff just, you know, in and out. That pastor's going to be busy. He's going to be here, there, everywhere. And probably the wife and the kids, you know, till they get to a grocery store <laughs> and get established, they're going to eat a lot of probably fast food stuff. At the house, might be all sandwiches, but that's okay. Till they get situated, they're going to need some help. You think of anything else they might need in the pantry of that sort, bring it, put it out there, okay? That's what God showed me, so passing it on. Thank you. Thank you. Two of us.
Okay. Uh, three. Alan. <laughs> Y'all are confusing me. <laughs> All right. Brother Alan, I'm going to ask you if you say prayer today, if you don't mind. the house. 
you're worthy of all of our praise, God. Father, we don't take it for granted, Lord, that your presence is here every time we walk into the sanctuary, God. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for your provision this morning, Lord. You are more than enough, Father.
song this morning. Go ahead, Dennis. There's a part of this song that everybody can pick out. And when you get to the line, you'll know which one is yours. And the chorus just says that I plead the blood. I plead the blood over my life, over my family, over my future, over our children. Father, you are more than enough, God, through the blood of Jesus Christ that covers everything, God.
Hallelujah. Know that the blood, know that the blood of Jesus Christ is greater than. Know that the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful than. Know that the blood of Jesus Christ is your victory, is your overcoming, is your conquering. Know that there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Cry out to Him and allow His provision, allow His victory. Allow His blood to be your source by which you gain your victory in your life. Thus saith the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you join me in worshiping the Lord? Lord, we bless your name. We magnify Jesus' name above every name, Jesus Christ. Lord of all. We thank you, Lord, for coming from the glories of heaven, for humbling yourself, being fashioned in the form of a man. We thank you, Lord, for being obedient all the way to the death of the cross of Calvary. And Lord, we glory in every drop of blood that was given at Calvary. We glory in the victory that you won on Calvary. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. Thank you for being the giver of life. Thank you for being our victory, Lord. We bless your name. We bless your name. There may be someone that maybe is a little bit unfamiliar with that phrase that, that we just sung, and it's, we plead the blood. If you would, please, just the word plead means that it's a request. It's a plead. It's an asking for. We plead the blood. We ask for the provision of the blood of Jesus Christ. What does it mean, the blood? Every victory that you have in this Christian walk was paid for at Calvary. Um, every drop of blood that was given was given for a reason. And the reason is, is that our God wants us to have victory in this life and victory over every attack of the enemy. Uh, why do we plead in blood for our marriages? Because we don't want the enemy to have any influence in our marriages. Can you say amen? We, we plead the blood over our family because we want our kids and our grandkids to know Jesus Christ. And we plead the blood for that protective hedge about our home. Uh, why do we plead the blood? I can tell that I can tell you as an outsider coming in, Paul and I've been with you four months now, and uh, it's been a great time. And, and we agree with Randy. Uh, it, it's time for us to leave, and it's time for your pastor to come. We're anxious for that. But let me tell you, there's a change in the atmosphere of this church. From the, from the time that we came to now, it is like a different church. Yes. 
There is a joy in this church now that you didn't have before. There's an anticipation in this church that you didn't have before. Uh, you, you were pretty beat up and pretty discouraged when we came, but I can tell you, you're not beat up, you're not discouraged anymore. Uh, you're ready to go forward. And that is because there have been people in this congregation that have been pleading the blood of Jesus Christ upon this church, upon the next pastor. And what I'd like to ask you to do with me, before we have a prayer line, before we go into prayer for needs here, uh, there's a gentleman that I want you and me to plead the blood for. His name is Marcus Truesdale, and he is your pastor. He's going to be here in roughly about, I think, three weeks. Uh, and man, we need to plead the blood of Jesus Christ on him. He's telling a congregation in Washington, he told them last week that he's leaving. And we know that that congregation is going to now be in the process of looking for a pastor. That's just the process. And we want to plead the blood for Washington Church. Amen. Uh, we want to plead the blood that Jesus Christ is involved in every aspect of this. So if you would, please agree with me. Father, right now we plead the blood of Jesus upon Marcus Truesdale and upon his wife and children. We ask your protective hedge as they travel from Washington State all the way here. And Lord, that you would bless every step of the way. We pray for the church in Washington and we plead the blood of Jesus Christ upon that church the leadership that, Lord, you would lead and guide them, and that, Lord, your will would be done. We plead, we plead your blood upon this congregation here at Lone Grove, that, Lord, the church would be ready for their new pastor, that they'd be ready to go forward in you, that there'd be a rich anointing, that there would be an empowering of your Holy Spirit. And, Father, we pray, we, we plead the blood upon this congregation, this ministry. And Lord, we thank you for what you've done. Thank you for a beautiful facility. Thank you for the wonderful people here. And thank you, Lord, for the anticipation and the expectation of what you're about to do. And Lord, we pray your blessing, Father, upon Marcus Truesdale and the future ministry of this church. Lord, bless the deacon board. We pray for Randy, for Ron. We pray for Rick. We pray, Father, for for Robin and we, we pray for Merrill and we pray, Father, that you'd unite together this board and this body and we pray for your equipping and your empowering and your prevailing, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And we pray for Julie and her ministry. Amen. And for this worship team. Amen. They have been faithful through it all. Can you say amen? Thank God for them. Thank God for them. Uh, we want to have prayer time, and that is an opportunity given you for God to minister to your need. What are we going to do? We're going to plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're going to plead the blood of Jesus Christ for healing. Uh, if you have a need, thank God that part of the provision of Calvary, just as much as you can believe in Calvary for forgiveness of sin, so can you believe in His stripes for your healing. Amen because by His stripes we were healed. If you're here this morning, you've got a need and you would like prayer, I'd love to meet with you here at an altar of prayer, believe together with you and allow God to minister specifically to your need.
Won't you join with me again? Let's just thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the victory received. Thank you, Lord, for you being magnified in the answer. Thank you, Lord, that when we plead the blood, we see you. We see your hand at work, Lord, and we want to be quick to come back and say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. May you alone receive the glory. May your name alone be magnified. Bless, bless your name. Bless your name. Bless your name. Bless your name. God is so good. Amen. Bless your heart. You can be seated. Thank you, Julie and worship team. Uh, can I give you an opportunity to please, yeah, give them that appreciation. They're a sweet, sweet, special group. And let me just say you're honored. You're honored to have them. Amen. Uh, next Sunday will be my last Sunday with you. And, and again, let me just say, Paul and I really love you. Uh, we've developed a love for you and our love for you have grown over the, the weeks. And that, trust me, just because I'm not here doesn't mean I'm not going to be praying for you. You're part of my everyday prayer list. And, and I pray for the guy in the back that sits back there that needs a healing of cancer, that every symptom is gone. And I, I pray for the sister that's having hip replacement surgery on June 28th. I may not remember all your names because, honestly, all you got to do is remember Gary and Paula, two names, and you are more than two. And, and I've found that it's harder as I get older to remember everybody's name, but, but I remember your need. And we've been praying for you. And it's just been a blessing to see what God's done, restored families and put back together marriages and many salvations. We've, hit it. we've seen a number of salvations in these past weeks. And thank God for that. God, God is so good. And we just say thank you. Uh, the, the, just for you to know, Paul and I will very likely be on the 18th. There's a pastor resigning from uh, El Reno Assembly of God Church. That's next Sunday he's resigning, so probably two weeks from now we'll be at, uh, at El Reno Assembly of God Church. And so we'll be doing kind of the same thing. Could you get that back screen on for me, please? Uh, and so we'll be, we'll be there with them. God is faithful, amen? If you would, please find your Bibles, because I want to be able to preach to you this morning. When you find your Bibles, it's going to be easy to find the book, because it's the very first one. And that's Genesis. So if you would, just open up there at the very beginning. And when you find Genesis, if you would, please find Genesis chapter 39. We're going to talk about somebody that honestly is one of my very favorite characters in the Bible. When I studied his life as a young Christian, I really wanted to identify with him. Because his life begins in chapter 37 at the age of 17. And for some reason, me, me personally, as a young man wanting to be a Christian, I really, really identified with, with him. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about Joseph. You, you see the title of the message with me, and that is Living the Blessed Life. Uh, let's have a prayer. Father, uh, I pray your anointing upon your word. May your word come alive to our hearts. We pray, Father, that you would move in and through your word and that we would receive truth because, Lord, we don't want man's opinion. We want nothing but truth, the truth of your word. So, Father, may your word be blessed. May there be an anointing upon both the speaker and the receiver. May the outcome be everything you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I'm going to show you seven traits of life, and you can look at the screen with me. And, and I love uh, teaching preaching, and, uh, and we're a very visual culture, and that's why I use the screen, because it, it helps to reinforce the Word. But if you would, notice with me, these are seven characteristics of what I think would represent a blessed life. Number one is, is this, relationships strong in unity, love, and acceptance. Husband and wife accepting each other, kids and grandkids, and uh, just relationships strong in unity and love and acceptance. Future outlook promising with success. That sounds good. Number three, reputation free from accusation and slander. Uh, number four, freedom to be able to make personal choices. Number five, respect from others for your integrity. Number six, financial prosperity and living comfortably. Uh, number seven, the absence of pain and suffering. Doesn't that sound good? Yeah. You are sitting like a board. Doesn't that sound good? <laughs> you know, for me personally, I look at that and read through that and go, sign me up. You know, where do I sign? Uh, I, want, I want every one of those in my life. To me, I believe that every one of them coming together represents, and amen me if you agree with me, represents a blessed life. That, that I say is blessed. Well, in Genesis 37, it begins giving the details of a man's life. And there's a different phrase that's not mentioned here that refers to this man being blessed. The man's name is Joseph. Joseph lived with an absence, and please, I'm going to prove this to you in a moment. Joseph didn't have one of these. Joseph didn't have one of these traits in his life. Yet, Joseph was blessed. The phrase that we see in Scripture, I'm going to show you in a moment, but, and I want to build to that, that phrase that shows Joseph being blessed. But if you would, note with me Scripture. And let's see how Joseph was void of all seven of them. Number one, Joseph's relationships were filled with hate, anger, and envy. When you look at Genesis 37 and 4, Joseph's brothers hated him. Uh, Genesis 37 and 18, they plotted to kill him. They were going to kill him. And so what I see is he didn't have the first trait because his relationships were filled with hate, anger, and envy. The second one, Joseph's future looked pretty bleak. When you go to Genesis 37 and 28, rather than killing him, they sold him into slavery. There's the Midian, Midianite traders that were coming by, and they made the decision to sell him into slavery. If you see the third trait that we just mentioned, and that's Joseph's reputation was disgraced. In Genesis 39, 17 through 18, Joseph was falsely accused of attempted rape. And there, because of that accusation, his reputation was totally disgraced. Number four, Joseph's freedom was taken from him, because in Genesis 39 and 20, I find that he went to prison. He's some 17 years old, young man thrown now into prison because of this accusation of rape. Well, they're in prison, notice with me, there was no respect for his integrity. He's a prisoner. There, number six, while in prison, there was no prosperity, no comfort, because he was in prison. Number seven, while they're in prison, pain and suffering seemed to be his constant companion, because he was in prison from 17 years old to 30 years old. So he was there 13 years. He was there quite a while. So, yes, Joseph's life was void of every one of these traits that we would refer to as the blessed life. 
He didn't have one of them. His relationships, his future, his reputation, his freedom, his respect, his wealth, his pain, uh, all of them represent that Joseph's life was everything but blessed. But I see another trait of Joseph's life. And this trait is the reason why we call him blessed. If you would, Genesis chapter 39, beginning with verse 1, it tells us this. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishlamites who had taken him down there. Verse 2. Here's the trait. The Lord was with him. Anybody say amen? amen. There's the blessed life. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master. He was a slave. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that. There's the trait again. The Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in the sight and served this master. He served Pharaoh's captain of the guard, Potiphar. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under Joseph's authority. If you would, again, pick up the story, same chapter, go to verse 20. Verse 20, it says, Then Joseph's master, Potiphar, took him and put him into prison. This is after the accusation of rape of Potiphar's wife. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But notice with me, even in prison, there's a trait that represents being blessed. Verse 21, But the Lord was with him. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made him prosper. Can anybody say amen? Uh, see, what we find here is, is this. Here we identify the phrase. Here we identify the means by which we truly live a blessed life. The answer is, the Lord is with you. If the Lord is with you, can you say amen? That's a blessed life. Uh, when his brothers hated him, when his future looked bleak, when his reputation was slandered, when his freedom was taken from him, when no one respected his integrity, when he lived with no comfort, when pain and suffering seemed to have no relief, he was blessed. He was blessed when he was a servant in Potiphar's house. He was blessed when he was a prisoner uh, in that prison of Pharaoh. And the reason he was blessed is because wherever he went, the Lord was with him. I get to tell you this morning, this is this. You can live a blessed life even when the doctors say cancer. Yes. Amen. 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 You can live the blessed life even when uh, you're facing a hip replacement surgery. You can live a blessed life even while struggling through finding the right pastor. Right. 
Anybody say amen? amen? You can live a blessed life when recovering from death of a loved one. You can live a blessed life when reshaping your life after divorce. You can live a blessed life when dealing with the difficulty and the frustration of being a teenager looking for direction. Uh, you can live a blessed life when facing the uncertainty of your future. You can live a blessed life when battling fear and depression and worry. Let me tell you, there's, I've seen in, in the church today, there is a spiritual attack of the enemy called fear and worry. And you can live in victory if you know that the Lord is with you. So you can live a blessed life when trying to balance career and family. You can live a blessed life when overcoming sickness, when overcoming injury. You can live a blessed life because the Lord is with you. Amen. That is the most critical. That's the most needed, that is the most desired target, I believe, of every Christian, is to, that no matter where we are, no matter what we go through, is that the Lord be with us. If you would, the scripture, and that is not working for some reason, it is just, there we go, then it did, thank you. You, you got me started there, and then it stopped. There we, there we go, perfect. No, quit, do, stop that. There we go, there's the scripture. If you will, write these scriptures down if you don't already have them marked in your Bible, because this ought to be the objective of every one of us. If you'll notice with me, James 4 and 8, it says, draw near to the Lord and He'll draw near to you. What does that tell me? It tells me that you need to initiate it. You draw near to the Lord. A lot of people say, well, well, the Lord's just so distant from me, and the Lord's so far away from me, and the Lord just hasn't moved in Long Grove Assembly of God Church. Well, the point is, is this. Uh, you start having prayer meetings, and you were drawing closer to the Lord. As you draw closer to the Lord, the Lord draw closer to you. Amen. And so understand, the distance that the Lord is from you is not God's problem, and it's not God's fault. The distance the Lord is from you is you need to draw closer to Him. You draw near to Him, He'll draw near to you. If you'll notice with me what David said in Psalm 51, this is his petition for forgiveness. If you remember with me, uh, David had this terrible affair, and he had sex with Bathsheba, and Bathsheba had a baby. And if you remember with me, it was just a total disgrace of his leadership as king. In the, year, in the time of the year when the king should be going out to battle, he stayed back, and instead of being where he should have been and doing what he should have been doing, he was up on top of his roof looking at a naked lady taking a bath. And one thing led to another. The next thing you know, he has this affair with the lady. And now in his time of repentance, he comes, thank God, he comes to the understanding, I was wrong. And in that understanding, notice with me, verse 11 of Psalm 51. Read all of Psalm 51 because it's David's repentant heart. And he says this, Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. See, the reality is, is when you live a life of sin, you can't expect God to be with you. And now in this time of repentance, he says, Do not take your presence away from me. I've got to have you near to me. And so please understand, the Lord wants to be with you. He does. But you play a big role in the Lord being with you or not. What I see in Joseph is I see, I'm a three-pointer preacher, three-pointer preacher, and I see three things in Joseph's life. So that way you'll know when it's time to get your person and, and you, know, keep, you know, get ready to leave. Here, he's just about done. He's on point number three. Okay, I see three things in Joseph's life that are traits in his life that you need to develop in your life. I want to develop in my life if I want the Lord to be with me. Uh, here's the traits. Number one, if you would, please, you got to speak up. It's time for you to quit being mild-mannered and quiet. 
it's time for you, if you want the Lord's presence to be with you, you've you got to be willing to speak up. If you'll notice with me, Joseph was not shy in speaking up for the Lord. In Genesis 37 and 5, God gave Joseph a dream, and his brothers, uh, and, his, uh, and it was about his brothers. And his brothers was, in the dream, going to come and bow down to him. And when Joseph shared the dream that God gave him, and it's kind of like our sister this morning that said something about taking care of the new pastor. Didn't you love that? You know, Paul and I were sitting over there, and I go, man, yeah, hallelujah. Take care of him, you know. And, and I honestly would say, from a pastor perspective, moving in and being gone, buy him some food. Uh, buy him some canned goods, you know. Uh, bring some canned goods and put out there. And uh, man, that'd be such a blessing. But uh, get off that. But the point is, is this. His brothers were to bow down to him in the dream. And Joseph shared the dream. Uh, he was willing to share the vision that God gave him. If you will, in Genesis 37, 9 and 10, God gave Joseph a dream concerning his mom and dad. That his mom and dad would come, his parents would come, the sun and the moon would, his mom and dad would bow down before him. And Joseph's family rejected him for speaking up what God had given him in a dream. When I look in, if you will, Genesis 41 and 16, uh, at 30 years of age, now in prison, 13 years as a slave and a prisoner of Pharaoh, he had a dream. And if you remember with me, Pharaoh had this dream and called upon Joseph to interpret it. So now Joseph from prison has given an answer for Pharaoh concerning his dream. And notice with me, what, what I see here is Joseph said, it's not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. See, in our culture, there's a lot of people that want to take credit for something that God has done. Well, if you're going to speak up for God, I'm going to tell you a good, quick way to shut off the blessings of the Lord is you start taking credit for it. Because God is a jealous God. Please understand this. God does not want anyone else, you, me, or anybody else, getting credit for what He does. And so if there's a healing in this church, it came from God. It's because of Jesus. If there's a miracle in this church, a manifestation, give God all the glory. Can you say amen? That's quickly, that's Joseph. If I want the Lord to be with me, and Joseph did, if Joseph wanted the Lord to be with him when anything of value took place, he was quick to say, this is God. You know, I, I can't give you an interpretation. This is Joseph. I can't give you an interpretation for the dream. But there's a God who can. And God is able to do that. So, if you will, he was quick to speak up for the Lord as his source. In Psalm 121 and 1 and 2, it says, I will lift up my eyes to the hill where comes my help from. My help comes from the Lord, the master of heaven and earth. Please understand, any help in your life is going to come from the Lord. Uh, any direction, any strength to overcome, uh, any blessing, any provision, everything good in our life comes from the Lord. Can anybody say amen? Uh, James said, every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord, and here there is no variableness or shadow of turning. So if we want the Lord with us, we must not be ashamed of Him. I see Christians... Many times it's, it's honestly people who have been Christians, uh, new converts have a tendency to get bold in the Lord right off the bat. But there's such a thing as getting lazy as a Christian. Um, notice with me, Jesus said that if we are ashamed of Him, He'll be ashamed of us. And that's in Mark, if you would please, in Mark, oh, let me get there. 
That is there, isn't it, at the bottom? Well, me and this thing are not participating. And if you'll notice with me, Mark 8 and 38, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in, his, in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So the reality is, is this. We must never be ashamed of speaking up for the Lord. We've got to recognize that the blessings that we enjoy, the provisions that we have, they have a return address, and all of them have come from Him. Uh, this is the point I really want to make, and that's this. You should have no relationship that you're not willing to tell about Jesus. Amen? Amen? You should not, young people, if you're dating someone and don't want them to know that you're a Christian, get rid of that relationship. You should have no relationship that you're not willing to speak up for Jesus Christ. You should go nowhere you cannot speak up for Jesus. Uh, if you can't speak up for Jesus at the casino, quit going to the casino. If you can't speak up for Jesus at the crack house, quit going to the crack house. If you can't speak up for Jesus, uh, I'm going to get real personal here, at the cannabis house, quit going to the cannabis house. I passed six since Highway I-35. God help us. See, you, you need to go nowhere that you can't speak up for Jesus Christ. See, we cannot expect the Lord to be with us if we're ashamed of Him. Uh, the blessing of the Lord with us is a mutual love. I draw near to Him. I love Him. He draws near to me. A mutual love. In speaking up for the Lord, it is critical that we acknowledge Him as the source of everything good in our lives. Don't allow the enemy to cause you to go silent in speaking up for the Lord. If you want the Lord with you, here's a trait of Joseph I see, and that is be quick to speak up for the Lord. And the Lord, He will, he will be with you. Number two, I say, stand up. Stand up for the Lord. If you will, in Genesis chapter 39 and 9, when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph, uh, notice with me the process. It says in Genesis 39 verse 7, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. Scripture tells us that Joseph was a good-looking young man. He was some 17 years old. Uh, Potiphar was captain of the guard. He traveled a lot, and so he was away from home. This is one of those days that Potiphar was away from the house. He was out on maybe a campaign for Pharaoh or whatever. And it says that she said, lie with me. Uh, when she said that, she wasn't wanting an afternoon nap. That's not what she's talking about. What the old girl's talking about is having sexual relationship with the young man. And here the old lady, you know, though Huzzy, I call her Huzzy. Now, oh, uh, Huzzy is a, is a quick word for a girl that's got bad intentions. Yeah. Anybody say amen? Yeah. Okay, so here though Huzzy was trying to seduce the young 17-year-old guy. So you got a well-experienced woman and an inexperienced young man, and she's taking advantage of him. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, yo hussy, because you are his wife. And then how then can I do this great weakness, this, this great weak wickedness and sin against God? How, how can I do this? great wickedness, and listen to that last phrase, uh, 
and send this sin against my relationship with God. That's exactly what he's saying. Now, Joseph took a stand for God. Okay, this is, this is a bold stand. And every young man here, in fact, every old man, just every male here could say amen. This is a bold stand. And what I see about Joseph is this. Joseph was a young, healthy, handsome man. Scripture tells us that. Uh, he was far from home. His family didn't know even where he was, much less what he was doing. Uh, Joseph, his master was gone, and this could be an ongoing affair with no one knowing about it. He could have had relationships with the old girl, and the reality is it could have been an ongoing affair, and every time Pharaoh was, or, uh, every time Potiphar was gone, uh, they could have the relationship. And, and yes, Miss Potiphar was the aggressor seeking after the young man. It was, she was the aggressor, and so he could say, man, it was her fault if it wasn't for her, you know. And yes, to deny her would offend the old girl. He was going to make her mad at him. And he was going to offend her. And, and you can go through that logic there, and you can see every reason why the guy could rationalize doing it. You know, let me tell you, it is easy to rationalize sin. And what I find over and over, it, with the temptation, please look at me and get this, with the temptation, the enemy will never reveal to you the consequences. Are you with me? Uh, he'll reveal to you nothing but a temptation, nothing but a desire. And the fact is, is this. I've, I've learned something over the years with temptation. And that is, uh, you kids that maybe have had algebra, man, you never thought you'd use it, but you can even use it preaching. And if you would, there's two axes in al go to algebra. And this axis represents time, and this axis represents an increase in temptation. What I've found is, is this, the temptation begins here. And the longer you wait before you kill it, the greater the likelihood is of you giving into it. And the pressure of the temptation grows. That's this axis. So if you would, note with me. Questions here. Question is, when do you kill temptation? When it starts. You know, if you debate about it, if you think about it, if you rationalize it, if you go through, well, the old girl, it's her fault, and man, it, it, the guy is gone, man, she, she's needy, and man, you know, I got what she wants. Are you with me? You, you can go down through all this process, and the reality is you would build the process towards yielding to the sin. It'd be wonderful if the enemy would up front say, hey, here's a temptation to have sex. You're going to get pregnant. You're going to have a baby out of wedlock. And then you're going to have to give it up for a divorce. Or you're either going to abort the baby, uh, give it up for adoption, raise it as a single parent, marry the, husband, the boyfriend. Are you with me? Uh, you've got some options there, and none of them are good. He won't give the consequences of the sin. Well, you get drunk, get behind the wheel, you're going to kill yourself, and you're going to hit somebody head on and kill another family. He won't say that at the beginning. And what we find is, is this. Joseph was a man, young man. This is why uh, the first and only, I'll, I'll tell you this, the first and only woman I ever made love to is my wife. And as a young man... Um, virgin, many times it was one of those things that made you feel awkward, honestly. Because everybody else, you're a virgin? I even had girls come up to me, you're a virgin? And then it'd come on because of that. And my point is, is this. I identified with Joseph. 
because I wanted to be pure. I wanted to be able to have a relationship with my wife and have no memory of anyone else. I didn't want anybody to come between me and my wife. Okay, now understand this. I saw something in Joseph that I adopted in my life that I'd love to challenge you in your life, and it's this. Joseph viewed sin not as a transgression against the law, but as an offense to God. See, it wasn't, I'm not going to do this because the Bible says don't do it. That's a, I'm going to tell you, if that's the only reason you're not doing it, that's pretty weak. I don't want to do this because I know that this is going to come between me and God. And I love God too much for me to do this. This temporary sin will bring a repercussion for the rest of my life and will come between me and God. Let's understand that. See, God was with him. God had revealed to him that this was wrong. His love for God motivated him to purity. Let me tell you, the thing that will motivate you in purity, in integrity, you won't cheat on your taxes. Boy, now I'm getting preachy, ain't I? You know, man, you'll be The thing that will motivate you to integrity and purity is your relationship with God, your personal, intimate relationship with Him. Now, this is how it should be for us and the Holy Spirit. See, the thing that we have different than Joseph is we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, uh, you know, uh, to, it's to your advantage that I leave, because when I leave, I'm going to send the Comforter, and He'll come, and He'll not only be with you, but He will dwell within you. And so the great blessing that you and I have today that Joseph didn't have, and that's why Joseph's story just has to stand out so much, is because you've got the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. And thank God for the Holy Spirit, because He talks to me a lot, and I hope He does to you. Because when you start to do something that you know that's wrong, and then you hear this voice that says, don't do that, that's the Holy Spirit. And then when you, uh, you have this voice tell you, you know, like I pray to be the husband that God wants me to be, and I have this voice that comes and says, you need to go over and sit down next to her, put your arm around her, and tell her she's pretty, and be nice to her. And, you know, and, and, and then the Holy Spirit tells me that, and you know what I do? I go over and sit down next to her, and I'm not a real feely, touchy, you know, affectionate, but she is, and she really likes it. And so uh, I go and put my arm around her, and, and I do what the Holy Spirit tells me to do. And why is because I pray, help me to be the husband husband you want me to be, then the Holy Spirit comes and tells me what to do and what not to do. And the reality is, if I don't obey him, I might as well quit praying. Are you with me? You pray for purity. You pray to stand firm for Christ. You pray to, to be able to be an example for Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes and tells you how to do it, not to do it. And the reality is, if you ignore him, quit praying. We don't stand for purity because of the law. We don't stand against sin because someone is watching and because people will know about it. Someone's going to find out about this. That wasn't Joseph at all. He was so far away from home, nobody's going to know anything. Um, we stand because we love God and don't want to hurt Him. And don't want anything to come between you and your relationship with Him. Here's the point. You can't expect the Lord to be with you when you don't live according to His principles of right and wrong. Amen. You can't live in sin. Uh, trust me. You can't live in sin and expect the Lord to be with you. Right. You know, if the Lord's not going to go into the casino with you, don't go. Right. 
If the Lord's not going to go into that crack house with you, don't go. Uh, if you're getting ready to have a fight with somebody and you, you, you know it's wrong in the back of your heart and your mind, and, and you know, well, the Holy Spirit's not going to go with me, don't go. Amen. So what I see in Joseph's life, this is why the Lord was with him. One is because he was willing to speak up for the Lord. Two is because he was willing to stand up for the Lord. See, the Lord will be with you if you'll stand up for him. Amen. Number three, he was willing to size up. The rest of the story of Joseph was Genesis 30, 41, 25 through 32. Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream. There would be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. That was the dream. In 41 and 43, uh, Pharaoh recognized such wisdom in Joseph that literally made him number two in the kingdom. If, if you will, it says, but as for you, you or excuse me, 41 and 43, he had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And men even shouted his praises as he rode through the towns in Egypt in the chariot. And so there was this recognition of number two in all of Egypt. And yes, eventually the dream that he dreamed became a reality. Eventually his brothers, the famine, even back home in Israel, the famine became so bad that there had to be a relief for Israel and the, and the sons of Israel, the, the children of Israel. And so now they come before Joseph, literally, and bow before him because they need, and there's a fulfillment of the dream. Now, it would have been easy for Joseph to have hated his brothers. Yeah. It would have been easy for Joseph to say, oh, okay, I'll remember what you did to me. I remember you, yeah. And it would have been easy for him to want vengeance and retaliation. It would have been natural for him to seek revenge. But he sized it up. I'm going to tell you, church, we need wisdom of the Holy Spirit to size up the circumstance that you're dealing with. Things are not always how they appear. Right. I'm going to tell you as a church, and, and again, I, I'm kind of talking as a guy on the outside watching. I'm going to tell you there's some of the things that you've gone through, and as you went through them, you go, man, and I, I, I even heard some of you say this, is, do people not like us? Are people talking bad about us? You know, why are we going through this? And there's this tendency for us to first look at things from a perspective of how bad it is, the circumstance is, and not know that God is working. Now, let me say it again. Things are not always how they appear. Now, this happened and that happened in that circumstance and this person was voted in and turned it down and this, that, that. And, and then you watch that happen you go, man, what's wrong with us? But the reality is God's got a plan. I believe you're in God's plan now. Can anybody say amen? I, I believe you had to go maybe through this to be able to get to this point where you are right now and to have the excitement that you have now. Because there's an excitement in this church that I thank God for. Now, notice with me, if you would, Genesis 50 and 20. Joseph sized it up and he said, But as for you, brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people. 
He, he said, brothers, you meant this for evil when uh, you were jealous of me. If you remember this story, when he was younger, he was given a coat with many colors, and he was dad's favorite. And uh, if you remember with me, Jacob, his, the love of his life was Rachel. And uh, if you remember, she had two kids, and one was Joseph and the other was Benjamin. Uh, she died in childbirth with Benjamin, but now Joseph was his favorite. In fact, Joseph was a little bit... Um, misused as from dad because dad had Joseph go check on his brothers and report back. And boy, that'd make you popular with your brothers. And so he'd come back and report back to dad about the boys and, and they're doing this. And so the, their hatred for Joseph and their jealousy for Joseph just grew. And what did they mean for Joseph? They meant total destruction. Let's get rid of the boy. Let's get him out of the house. He's daddy's favorite. He, he's a tattletale. He tells on us. And let's just get rid of him. What they meant for evil, God meant for good. Because of that evil, because of that hatred for Joseph, where did he go? He went into Potiphar's house. He went into prison. But then he ultimately went to the palace. But notice with me, he had to go through Potiphar and the prison before he made it to the palace. And I'm going to tell you, while in Potiphar's house, in the prison. Boy, I need one more P there, don't I? While in Potiphar's house and while in prison, it looked pretty bleak. If that was all he looked at, then you'd go, man, where's God? And all of this, why? But the Lord was with him. Why? Because he spoke up. Because he stood up. And now he's sizing it up. Because what he's saying is, is this. He said, I want to see this cancer from God's perspective. I, I, I want to see the problems in our church and the difficulty that we're kind of dealing with right now. I, I want to see it not as I see it, but I want to see it as God sees it. You know, maybe, maybe there's something God's trying to teach me. Maybe there's something I need to learn while going through this. And so now Joseph, he says, he sizes it up and says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And he sizes it up and he says, I'm number two in Egypt to save my family. And if you remember with me, they came into Egypt, just a little Bible trivia. How many were they when they came in? They came in as 70 in number. And then when they went out, they went out 3 million plus. And so God had a plan. Uh, Israel came into Egypt and God built a nation. Uh, even under the Pharaoh's thumb of a slave group, th there was things that Israel, again looking at it from God's perspective, there was things that Israel could not learn if they were pampered in the promised land. They had to come into Egypt. They had to be built a strong and mighty nation. And then with this resilience, God then took them back into the promised land and God made them Israel. And I'm going to tell you, Israel's still alive today. And thank God for that. Joseph, notice with me, please, this, this is the conclusion. That's this. Joseph sized up the circumstances of his life and believed God could take what the enemy meant for evil and God could turn it for good. Yes. And I'm going to tell you, God can do that in your life. Yes. Whatever you're dealing with, I, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's, I've had hip replacement, I've had that and that, and, and I know your stories are the same. You can go down to a list of challenges that you've had. Maybe your marriage, you know, didn't do so good. Maybe that happened and this happened. Whatever the circumstances in your life, 
Honestly, when you look at them, you go, man, this is pretty bleak. This is pretty bad. But the, the Lord can take what the enemy has meant for evil, and God can turn it around for good. You know, in my years as a, as a youth pastor and pastor, I've seen a heartbreak of a teenage young lady who becomes pregnant. And, and I've watched them make decisions. And, and one of the decisions that one family made was that they were going to raise this baby in their home. The mom and dad were supportive of it. And the teenage girl was in home, in her home, raised her baby, didn't want to marry the guy. They were, one was they were too young. And number two is she didn't love him. And so don't let one problem lead to another problem. And so the reality is they said, we're just going to raise this baby here at home. Mom and dad supported them. Grandparents supported them. And that baby grew up. And the next thing you know, God takes that baby who becomes an adult and leads them into ministry. And see, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around for good. I'm going to tell you over and over and over and over again, you need to size up the circumstances that you're dealing with and size it up from the perspective of how can God take this and turn it around for good. Uh, here I find in, in Joseph's life, uh, we, we would call this a blessed life. Relationships being strong, future looking wonderful, reputation with no slander, freedom uh, being everything that we wanted, uh, respect of us and our integrity, uh, having prosperity and comfort and being pain free. But let me tell you, you can have all of those things removed. And if the Lord is with you, yes. you're blessed. Amen. If you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is with me. Question then is this, what do I need to do to ensure that God is with me? I need to be willing to speak up for Him. I need to be willing to stand up for Him. And I've got to size up the situation, the circumstance, and be able to see it from His perspective. Joseph was a man that the Lord was with him. Even people who didn't like him uh, identified quickly that the keeper of the prison, uh, Potiphar, yeah, people that weren't even believers with him, they identified, man, there's something different about you. Yeah. Remember the disciples when, the, when they were dragged before the Sanhedrin and the disciples came before the Sanhedrin and, and the answer from the Sanhedrin after they kind of interrogated the, the disciples, it was, uh, if you remember with me, it was Peter and John. And after interviewing them, they said this, we thought they were unlearned men. We thought they was a bunch of dummies. Uh, but then they said, but we could tell they'd been with the Lord. I want that trait and I know you do too. I want people around me, even people who don't like me, like that Sanhedrin and those disciples, to be able to tell, man, they've been with the Lord. Amen. This church has been with the Lord. Amen. And this church has an anointing and equipping and empowering to be everything God wants it to be. Amen. See, the thing that's going to make Lone Grove the, the church in the last days that God wants in revival is one key. The Lord is with you. Amen. Because honestly, it's not church because of the shape of the building. Right. 
It's not church because you're here, and it's not church because I'm here. It's not church because we've got pews and we've got carpet, and you know, it, that doesn't make it church. It's not because of the name out front. Are you with me? The only thing that makes this church is that the Lord is here. Amen. And more than anything, we want the Lord with us. Can you say amen? amen. Let's have a prayer. Father, I pray right now here this morning that you would bless this congregation. Lord, you know what the church together has gone through. And Lord, we believe, we believe with all of our hearts that the church is where it is today. Because Lord, you were preparing the church to be able to go forward for you. So Lord, we're going to look at the past and we're going to put it all under the blood. And we're going to see that there was a process, there was a work of your Holy Spirit that was teaching, instructing, and and Lord, we're going to size it up from your perspective, knowing that you can take even all of that and turn it for good. And Father, you know exactly the individuals here today, and you know exactly what everyone is dealing with and what they've been dealing with and the challenges of life. And Lord, we've got to have you with us. May we see the circumstances. May we size it up, Father, from the perspective that that you see it from. May we see more than just the, the difficulty, see more than just the sickness, see more than just the heartbreak. May we see more than that, Lord. May we see how you can take what the enemy has meant for evil. And Father, you can turn it for good. And Father, we know that the heartbeat of every believer is to be able to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are with us. May you stir our hearts, Father, with the truth of your word to where we're quick to speak up for you, to stand up for you, and that we size up all the circumstances from your perspective. With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one just a moment looking around, I, I want to give an opportunity for salvation. There may be someone here this morning that realizes, man, I, I really need the Lord with me. I need the Lord to be able to lead me and guide me and instruct me and, and direct my life. I really, I really need the Lord. And you may be here this morning, you realize that you are without Him and you need Him so much. I'd like to have a prayer with you, with you seated right there, to, just to rededicate your life to the Lord and, and you to be able to pray a prayer and know, and, know, and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord is with you. That He's not only with you, but He dwells within you. You're here this morning, you'd allow me to lead you in a sinner's prayer. All as I ask is this, is that you'd let me know by raising your hand, and then I want to pray a prayer with you, with you seated right there where you are. God bless you, dear, in the back. I see your hand. You can put it right back down. Any other hands? God bless you, dear, in the back. I see your hand. God bless your heart. You can put it right back down. Any others? There's two. God bless your heart. I see here on my right. You can put your hand back down. Any others, you're here this morning, you say, I want to pray that prayer because I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord is with me. Is there any others that would add to these three that you want to rededicate your life to the Lord? You maybe want to accept Him for the very first time. This is your personal opportunity. There may be someone by way of live streaming and you want Jesus. You want the Lord with you. If you'll pray this prayer, meaning it from your heart, you too are going to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Congregation, if you would, please, let's lead these to Christ. Pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. 
I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. Lord, come into my life. Help me to live for you. And may I know that you're with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. To God be the glory. Thank you, Lord. Congregation, would you stand with me, please? I love to give altar calls where people come around the front or turn and make an altar because I really believe that an emphasis of church should be prayer. And so I want to give that opportunity, but right now for you, just with this message and the stirring of the Holy Spirit, can I ask you to bow your heads just a moment because I want to give an opportunity for some specific needs. And that is, is this, you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Gary, what I need is help. I need help to be able to speak up. I have friends, family that are lost and I rub shoulders with people that don't know the Lord and I need some, I need some boldness. And, and I recognize that an area that I really need some help with is I need some help to be able to speak up for the Lord. Would you hold up your hand if that's you? Father, I pray for every hand raised that Lord, you would help them to speak up for you. And Lord, we don't want to be shy. We don't want to be ashamed, but we want to be bold with the message that you give us. So Lord, each one that right now recognizes that this is an area of their life that they want, they want to improve. Honor them, Lord, even right now as they say, they want to be willing to speak up for you. God bless them. Give them the right words to say at the right time with your anointing, your equipping. In Jesus' name, amen. The next area, again, with no one looking around, is, is you say, Pastor Gary, what my area that I'm having challenge with is standing for the Lord. I, I, I've got temptation here, there, and I got people drawing me and trying to pull me into this and trying to pull me into that. And what I want to do is I want to stand firm. I want to stand up for the Lord. If that's you, would you hold up your hand? I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for each one that right now, their heart's desire is to stand up for you. They want to be able to relate with their friends that are lost. They want to be able to relate with their family that is lost. But Lord, they want to stand firm, immovable for you. So Lord, honor the heart, honor the heart desire of standing up. And Lord, we know that our help comes from you. So Lord, we seek you for the strength to stand at the workplace when school starts back. God, to be able to stand, we ask for that anointing, that equipping, that empowering of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. The last area I'd like to pray with you specifically is you're, you're going through a circumstance right now, and what you need more than anything is to be able to size it up and see it from God's perspective. You don't want to get discouraged. You don't want to be depressed. You don't want fear and worry to take hold, and you don't want to allow the enemy to have any victory. But what you want is the God to be able to take what the enemy meant for evil, and you want God to turn it for good, and you want to see it from God's perspective. If that's you, would you hold up your hand? I'm going to pray with you. Father, each one that's right now going through this circumstance. You know the need, you know every detail of the circumstance. And Father, what we want to do is we want to see it from your perspective. Right now, right here this morning, we size it up and we give it to you. We pray, Father, take this that the enemy has meant for evil and God in some way, somehow, turn it around for good. And Lord, may we begin to see the good even today, even this morning, may we begin to see the good that you can bring through this. In Jesus' name, amen. God is so good. Can you say amen? amen? God is so, so very good. And if you would, can I just invite you to worship the Lord with me? Father, 
Thank you for your goodness this morning. Thank you for the moving of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the drawing of your love. Thank you, Lord, for a body of believers that is hungry for you, ready to go forward. Thank you, Lord, for the revival that you're bringing to Long Grove. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that this church is going to be a bright light shining in this community for you. May this church be a bright light shining from a hill. May, may there be people that are lost and caught up in the darkness of this world. May they find their way to Jesus through this church. So, Lord, we thank you for what you've done. We anticipate that, that you're about to do. And we thank you, Lord, for the joy that is in this church. And God, have your perfect way as you continue to take this church forward in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I, I felt just a little check of the Holy Spirit to tell me to do something there and just kind of regroup. And I really love to obey the, the Lord. And this is what I believe the Lord wants you to do. And that is, is this. I'm going to put the number seven up. You need to shake hands, hug necks with at least seven people before you leave here this morning. And, and this is part of what God's wanting to do in this church. And if you're, what direction is that? Is that east? That's East. Okay, what God wants is East Lone Grove to be able to shake hands with West Lone Grove. And He wants what? Is that North? He wants North Lone Grove to be able to shake hands with South Lone Grove. What we need to do is to show unity in the church, love for one another. So if you would please, the good God complete number is seven. So hug next with at least seven people. Shake hands, love on them a little bit before you leave here today. God bless your heart. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>